Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I am your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Sorry. Listen with an open heart to those who in this time of crisis are offering their hearts and talents to us all. And I'm very happy today to have our guest, Shannon Leggett. And Shannon is a physical therapist and a restorative yoga teacher. Welcome, Shannon. Thanks, Tom. I'm very happy to be here. And and you know what? Uh, October is National Physical Therapy Month. So it's really exciting to be here with you in October and be able to talk about the profession and my journey. Well, that's wonderful. I uh, I did want to find out because your journey seems to have evolved, definitely, as we all have to evolve, particularly with the pandemic around us, because you've been doing physical therapy for a long time and you've also been a yoga practitioner, but now you seem to have combined those efforts. And what is that about and how did that come about? Well, I've been a longtime practitioner of yoga myself, so I totally understand um, the physical benefits of yoga, the mental, emotional benefits of yoga. It's a very, very powerful tool. Um, But it took me almost 10 years before I added it to my physical therapy practice. Um, You know, I've worked mostly in the outpatient orthopedic and sports arena uh, for the majority of my career. And uh, most of it has been in the the Midtown area. So I deal with a lot of people who have very high stress jobs. You know, the city can be high stress. And I started to notice that there was a definite link between their pain and their lifestyle management, their stress levels, their anxiety levels, their diet, their sleep, all of it. And I recognized that I could probably be a more efficient practitioner if I had some other tools in the toolkit to maybe help them with some of these lifestyle issues. And being that I know what yoga can do and the power of yoga, I decided to go get my yoga instructor certification. So I have my 200 hour yoga instructor certification. And then I did my restorative yoga certification. So I could bring these mind body tools to the clinic um, to kind of help patients both uh, with their mind, their body, their spirit, a a little bit more of an integrative holistic approach to care, which I find is extraordinarily beneficial. That sounds wonderful. And I imagine during this time of, you know, last 18 months of particular stress on top of everything else, that putting those two together right now is a very necessary item. Yes. And not even just from the mental health standpoint, uh, but also from a physical standpoint, you know, the lockdown, we've been so sedentary. Uh, gyms closed, yoga studios closed, you know, that walk to the subway to get to work, the bus, you know, to CVS to, to get a roll of toilet paper. Like so much of, of the city living out and about was taken from us, you know, for good reason, you know, public health, but it has really taken a toll on people physically. I have seen people coming out of the pandemic, just so deconditioned and so tight, uh, some crazy symptoms that I think yoga can really be a tool to help them mentally deal with what's going on, but also to kind of get back on track physically. 
Right. Well, I tell you, it makes me I, I smile a little bit because I used to make fun of my friends who lived in the suburbs and they did everything by car. Right. They didn't walk like me, a New Yorker who was walking all over the place. And and now I I know what they were suffering. Because <laughs> they were in the car. Are you using a car more now? <laughs> I don't have a car, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing that. I'm not what just what you said. I'm not yep. now live in Jersey City and I'm not taking the walk to the path train and the path train to the subway and then walking to wherever I need to go in the city. Yeah. Um, listen, that all adds up. That's all, you know, that's, that's exercise living in the city. You automatically get exercise. All the stairs down into subways up. Got it. Tremendous mm-hmm. amount. of exercise. My poor little, you know, uh, phone was saying, you're not doing anything. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> like, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Everything. Okay. I'm surprised yeah. the phones can't do that yet. <laughs> Yes, yeah, soon they should say you should see your first your exactly or something like that. <laughs> well, that that makes total sense, particularly as you say you've been working for a long while with people in in stress related industries. Yes, and, um, now attaching or combining the idea that your stress your pain is not just because you know you have an accident or something wrong that the body is doing. How does that actually work? I mean, we get stressed. You know, my, if you're in an office, the boss comes and yells at you or something like that, but you get into your body, I imagine, tightens. And, 100%. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and you know, and what's interesting too, right, is so much people come to me like, oh my goodness, my, like, my neck is so tight, right? And anything I do, like I have a massage and then like an hour later, it feels the same as it did, right? But there's two types of tension in the body. Like you can have the orthopedic tension, right? Like oh, I have bad posture sitting at the computer all day and my muscles have accommodated to that posture or position, therefore it's tight. But your nervous system can also create that tension, right? The fight or flight, the fight or flight part of our nervous system that gets you away from something that's in danger. And we have to prime our muscles to react, to sprint, to run. So part of that fight or flight uh, phenomenon is increasing muscle tension. So you could do that. So right. yeah, like orthopedically a massage feels great, but if you've got some nervous system tension in your body, you've got to treat the nervous system. You have to right. find a way to get out of that fight or flight. Yeah, if you live in the, in a place like New York, you do have a massage, walk out of the office and a taxi <laughs> tries to run you down. Oh my goodness, you're, right? Right back, you're right back to where you were before you went into the office. <laughs> exactly. So you have to figure out how to help people build resiliency. Like, listen, stress is a part of life. No one escapes stress. Stress right. can actually be really beneficial, right? It gets us to the finish line. It, it gets us through an exam. But it's when we get stuck in that fight or flight constantly is when all of those inflammatory chemicals are in our body and that can really fuel some chronic disease. So we have to help people like, okay, get the benefit of stress, get you out of the stressful situation, but then we have to teach them how to be able to come out of it. Um, and that's a learned skill. It's a learned right. skill. It's teachable. Well, anybody can do it. What do you recommend? Oh, it's hard to answer, answer that. I'm not going to ask that. Um, what do you find when you're these days when you're dealing with someone who's got body stress, but emotional stress, what combination works best for them? You know, education, I think, is key. Um, you know, listen, I, I think mental health, even though we've made extraordinary strides in, in terms of having the conversation 
right? People still don't like to have the conversation, (laughs) you know? Um, So I think education as to what stress is, how it manifests in the body, maybe the um, biology behind it, right? Uh, So that's the other piece. So that's how I always start with like education, what it is, what's going on, why it's going on. And then my homework is then I send them away with homework and that's a two minute check-in. You know, every once in a while throughout your day, I want you to check in, like, where are you breathing? How are you breathing? Are you holding your breath? Where are your shoulders? Are you gripping your belly? Really trying to start to get them to be in tune with their bodies and what's going on with them from one moment to the next. We are so externally focused. It's like, what's for dinner? When's the meeting? When am I going to pick up John from the soccer practice? Like, oh my goodness, like the babysitter called in sick. I have to do this. Like we're so in our heads we become so disconnected from our bodies. So number one, always education. Number two, I'm trying to get people to reconnect with how they're feeling physically. The body tells you, the body tells you what's going on. We just kind of get away from listening to ourselves. Yeah, what, what would you listen for? If you say someone, I say to you, great, I should listen to my body. How do I do that? Just saying, okay, the next time your boss comes in and you're like, oh my God, here's my boss again, what is going on? I said, are you clenching your teeth? right? Are you holding your breath? Where are your shoulders? Are you clenching your buttock muscles? People hold tension. That's, that's, they need, that's, to, be, they yeah. need to start to become aware of where that tension is being held. We can't fix what we're not aware of. Right. So it's and just once, kind of bringing some awareness in. And once we're aware of that, like what you just said, I can imagine, yes, I'm doing all of those things. Thank you. Now what <laughs> Now what? Now what, right? <laughs> and then that that's the next piece, right? And that could be some mindfulness training. That can be, hey, you know what? How do you feel about meditation? Hey, let's start to learn how to do some quiet diaphragmatic breathing, right? Just giving them some simple tools that they can do throughout the day that will help them kind of reset, relax. Um, that's where the restorative yoga comes in. Love restorative yoga for this thing. Um, you know, it, it, it is a way to help you consciously relax. And that is just with some breathing supported by some props. So you don't have to hold yourself up. And then in about 20 minutes of that diaphragmatic breathing, you can flip the switch from that fight or flight to that rest and digest. You can go from that sympathetic nervous system, sympathetic part of your nervous system to the parasympathetic, parasympathetic. I can get it out. Part of the nervous system. (laughs) You know, so it's just giving them some easy, simple tools in order to do that. Um, I also like sometimes some myofascial work, you know, yoga tune-up balls are great just to maybe get like almost like a self-massage, but also tuning into the sensation. Like, what does it feel like? Like, oh, that's really tight right there. And bringing some mindfulness, some awareness to how the sensation, what it's feeling like, it kind of turns that tape off in your brain. Right. You know, I've done some work uh, with a, a woman in Boston who believes that mindfulness starts in the body. So by bringing some awareness into physical sensations, you kind of turn that brain off. You know, that running tape that you, you actually can quiet that mind chatter by bringing some attention and some awareness to the physical structure. So myofascial work and some like rolling on the yoga tune-up balls are tremendously helpful. Now, during this period of time, you obviously have done little or no personal in-person work. Is that 
I've, I have been in person since about July of 2020, you know, we're considered essential. Um, so I went back to seeing patients in July, um, and I was working for somebody else, uh, at the time. Uh, but what I did during the pandemic and now is that I've built my own business. So I was kind of working for someone else. I was seeing patients and then I launched my own private practice in May of this year. How wonderful. Yeah. So I continue to see patients uh, live in the city as well as telehealth, as well as virtually, because not everybody is comfortable yet uh, being live. Right. No, that's true. Mm -hmm. And also, I imagine, well, my own experience, because I actually do, uh, I think you'll be happy to hear this. I actually go to a physical therapist. Oh, my goodness. I love to hear that. And we've been doing Zoom calls for ever since this whole thing began. Wonderful. I find it fascinating, but, you know, it actually helps. Probably would be possible to do this, certainly possible to do it in person. But there's something about having this on the Zoom, which allows me to say, this isn't working. Let me show you what I'm doing. Yeah. You could tell me what I need to change. And Mm -hmm. I... And for some reason, and I don't know what this is with the human mind, it seems less threatening for me to do this over Zoom than it might be in person. Yeah, isn't that wonderful, though, that you can have this space now to that you know that like this is what works for you. Right. And it, it becomes so much more effective that way. Yes. And not for nothing, Pam, but it talk about being mindful, talk about tuning into your body and what works for you. Like you do that. Be like, oh. Like, so that is like mindfulness. That's bringing mindfulness. That's listening to your body and what works for you. So you do it, which is great. Yeah, well, I think that's the wonderful thing of working closely with somebody like yourself mm-hmm. because you get some ideas. I mean, for instance, I'm sure you will do this with anybody as it's being done with me. When I say um, to my, I get a new set of exercises every four, you know, six weeks or something mm-hmm. like that. And when I say, these are great, except these two, which I can't figure out how the hell to do. Right. And, with his, not only his discussion or his showing, he also says, well, don't do it that way then, then do it this way. And you have some, some a way that's easier and, um, but yet is doing exact, is working the same muscles. A hundred percent. I always say there's a hundred ways to, to get this muscle strong. If it doesn't work, we find another way. Right. And also certainly this time during the pandemic, when there has been less active, you know, automatic part, you know, work like walking mm-hmm. Down subway stairs. It, for me, it certainly has been, and I imagine you advise people to do this is walking, just going out and walking for a half hour each day. You know, it's not quite the same, but it really does help. Oh, absolutely. You know, walking that, that little bit of a break and getting out and, and getting your heart rate up is, is super important. No matter like in any way you feel like doing that, you know, is that exercise is important. Yeah, I don't know if this relates to muscles or anything, but I also find that just being out in the sky, seeing the sky, seeing the the, the vast expanse uh, of the world somehow changes it from this, I'm stuck in my apartment and I can't go anywhere feeling, which which I imagine is an emotional component of all of this. Absolutely. And that, you know, that emotional component can feed the fight or flight of the nervous system, which creates some muscle tension and doesn't make you feel so great. Right. Nature is a very powerful tool when it comes to healing. So that big, beautiful sky, right. can just make you feel calmer, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. That's an interesting, it's a fascinating thing that that sky. And then 
while we haven't been able to do some, you know, many of the things we used to do, <clears throat> sitting in the parks, which they now have opened again, mm -hmm. sitting there looking at the nature um, is sort of restorative, it's like going to a restorative yoga class all by itself. Absolutely, because you're sitting there quiet, right? Just kind of paying attention to what's going on around you. It's like visually stimulating and peaceful. You probably calm your breath down a little bit. Sure. So you're sure. creating your own your own restorative class right there. There I am. I should. I know. Start new, I could start a whole new business. We'll sit together. You in could. The you could do some like restorative nature walks. Nature walks. There you go. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. six feet away from each other on a bench. Yep. That's it. So in the in the yoga por portion of things, <laughs> I always remember uh, once upon a time I I, I helped to run a not for profit wellness center. Ah. Yoga class, and they had a yoga class for moms and their babies. Sure. Right after giving birth and so forth, and and lasted wonderfully up until the time the baby was like you know a few months old and started going out out you know <laughs> yeah. to get away. But anyway, the point is that I noticed then how calming yoga can be, mm -hmm. and that's physical, but there's an emotional component, and there's also another component which I don't know how open people are. I know I am open to it, but that's the spiritual component. Sure. And that's, I know, part of yoga. And how do you find that being received when you're dealing with the, uh, the high-powered, you, know, yeah. you know, guys and gals who say, you know, if no, gain, no pain, no gain type of thing. And you're inviting them to take it easy, take deep breath and believe that you're supported by something beyond your own strength. Right. Um, that is always an interesting question, um, because it's something I'm very sensitive to, you know, people hear yoga and I said this the other day and they think that I'm going to make them like chant and like burn some sage, you know, and, or they're, I'm going to make them do like a handstand. And, and especially for men, they're like, I'm not flexible. I can't do yoga. Uh, like that's if yoga's not for me. So I'm I'm very much aware of the that the barrier that I come up against. Right. Um, so I kind of pick and choose how I introduce that part of my philosophy. You know, if I know someone who's gonna pretty much be um maybe resistant to it, I'll come in with a more traditional approach, but I might talk about some lifestyle things, what stress can do, right? So I might all approach it a little bit more scientifically, but as they get to know me and get to know my personality, then I start to drop the little bit of like, well, you know, like we've talked about the tension and how it can build and, and that you might have control over that. Like, what if you think that we did a little bit of breath work, right? And then what if you, what if I taught you that diaphragmatic breath is super important for your core strength and your ability to perform on the tennis court, right? Now some incentive there. Correct. <laughs> you know, you're going to feed the ego a little bit. You're going to like, you just have to put it into the context that's going to make them buy in. Right. And, you know, I always say that, you know, a spine, a knee, a shoulder, the anatomy doesn't really change. It's the person that changes. It's the goals that change. It's what motivates them changes. Like, so you just have to kind of tailor your approach to that individual that's in front of you, right? right. So, uh, and that's the art of it is like to understand like what this person is going to need and then just kind of like finding your way in. 
And sometimes it happens right away and sometimes it takes six sessions. And, and obviously one of the things you do and you have to do is listen. Oh my goodness. The patient will tell you everything you need to know. And sometimes the listening gives you more information, I think, than any exam ever will. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So I just like listening is, is powerful. Their body language is powerful, um, you know, which really requires you to be to be present with them in every session. That's key. That's key to be present. And also for, you know, another part of healing, as I've come to understand it, is to have somebody be present for me. Yes. And right there, whether you're doing yoga or, or any other kind of healing, that if the practitioner is truly present, listening, uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's a way into healing, definitely. A absolutely. That connection is key in any relationship. You know, right. you have to, you have to, you know, it, it's a, it, it's, it's a relationship and you need to, to foster it and, and nurture that connection. Um, and, and in a time when people have been disconnected, it's needed more than ever. Well, you know, that's a very good point because one of the main things that I have experienced and everybody I talk to has experienced is this disconnection. It's mm -hmm. like just walking down the street these days, you know, and I live in Jersey City now and it's a very more a quieter than Manhattan mm -hmm. place. Although Manhattan got pretty quiet during the pandemic. <laughs> yep. But I'm still, like, are those birds chirping? I've never heard that before. It's a bird. The water's <laughs> clearing up, my goodness. But <laughs> just having someone today say hello or have passing a small conversation with someone you do not know at all. And it's just like, wow, I've just had a vacation. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Human connection is extraordinarily important for mental health, extraordinarily important. And I really don't think that we're going to understand the ramifications of the social isolation for quite some time. Right. And I wonder, I mean, this is, again, trying to figure out what it's all about, which is impossible, but I uh, wonder what it will be like in terms of your kind of profession and others. People who get a taste of it during this because they get so stressed, are not going to want to stop. They want to continue. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, you know, why it's kind of nice to have the yoga be part of my business model is that it doesn't have to end, right? Like, I infuse the yoga principles within my physical therapy practice, right? But it's only part of it. Um, there, I do use traditional methods. That's what I'm trained. It's what I've done for 20 years. Uh, but marrying the two, I think, is just, I think, a, a more effective way to go. It's a more personal approach. Right. But yeah, I mean, people, like, their knee gets better, their back gets better, but they still want to have some mobility and, and to continue to get strong or to continue to have that you know, stress relief and conscious relaxation that, you know, they can still continue to work for me, work for me, work with me. So they have, they can continue their wellness journey. Right. And that wellness journey, I imagine, could be continued in the office, whatever that office is, whether it's a home office or, mm -hmm. or in-person office. Absolutely. Because you must be able to, you know, do a few of those exercises. You don't require a whole gym to do this. No, kind of a mat on the floor. That's it. A small space that small. both of us could fit comfortably in. That, that is all that it takes. <clears throat> Today, with your clientele, are, are, was there mostly men, mostly women, a mixture, children? It's a mixture. Um, you know, I like to say probably like from 16 to 70. 
like that that's kind of like the age the age range um, right that that i see within my practice right now and, and it's a mix of men and women yeah how does it in the in the older age and i ask it because i'm of the older age uh balance becomes an issue and mm -hmm. that seems to be a piece of physical therapy that's very important yes it's very important as a, as a matter of fact i listened um earlier this morning to um a speech that PT gave at the last uh, APTA conference and the number of hospitalizations per year due to falls is outrageous. I didn't realize how high that number was. And, you know, listen, th and there's a high mortality rate. People who fall, sometimes they break a hip and the mortality rate when someone breaks a hip from a fall, it's not wonderful. So right. balance is a huge part of what we do, a huge part of what we do. <clears throat> and I think we're a, and we're an important key in the healthcare system to help prevent some of the all those hospitalizations. It's expensive. Exactly. It's expensive. Exactly. And also, one of the things you were talking about earlier is focus, and in terms of balance, like walking in the streets. If you start wondering, you know, having daydreams while walking, <laughs> you're not paying attention to where you're walking or how the sidewalk is changing a little bit here. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when falls can happen, I imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you find yourself having to explain or teach uh, people how to walk? Oh my goodness, all the time. You know, and, and even where it's like, you know, I have, a, I have a patient right now who's dealing with a foot injury and we talk about like, how your foot should work like when you take a step and she was laughing the other day she's like i can't believe i'm in my 60s and you're teaching me how to walk i'm like i've been walking for years wow. um, but the body accommodates to you know things being weak and things being tight and we figure out the path of least resistance to get from point a to point b and that works until it doesn't work anymore and you have pain <laughs> so what that right. means then we have to fine tune and get you to back to a more efficient pattern so yeah. yes Everybody learns out, how to walk. And to find out what you're doing that's not helping, that might lead to, if you have a pain in my left side, and maybe there's something on your right side that you're doing. Yes. Or not doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I heard somewhere that um, for, let's, walking, particularly with children, walking is a controlled fall. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's like not a great, it's not a very efficient process to begin right. with, right? If you think even right. walking is controlled falling, um, but it, it can definitely, um, there could be a quick breakdown. Yes, we should we should be going on all fours somehow, but we're not. Oh, <laughs> nope. it, would, it would look very strange. So this is wonderful that you're doing this. How, how has your, your business been during the pandemic? As you started a new business on your own, how is, that, I did. how is that going for you? It's going pretty well. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm aware that I started a business that functions mostly in person during a pandemic when people are socially isolated. <laughs> so considering that that is kind of not working in my favor, um, things have been slow but steady and it's only been since may so i am confident that it will only continue to grow as i get to speak to more people and meet more people and get new patients so i'm i'm very excited it's it's the best decision i've made for myself right for that, sure that's good 
as long as you have a good boss and we hopefully you'll be a good boss. Oh my goodness. I say that all the time. I was like, well, if I don't like my new boss, I'm really in trouble. <laughs> but we seem to be, we seem to be getting along fine. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. And what, by the very nature of not being able to do as much in person, what do you miss when you're doing what for you yourself, when you're doing this via zoom or something? You know, so much of the information I get is just being in the room with somebody. Right. Um, that that energy of the body language uh, to be in that same space, I think, is a very powerful tool for me. Um, and I also do so much. I learn so much by having my hands on somebody. So I definitely miss that is something that I miss when it's not in person. Right. Um, are, are you, are you uh, able, when you're, uh, you say hands on a person, when you're able to touch their shoulder or hip or whatever it might be, can you actually feel, oh, this muscle is not doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Or that there's some tension and uh, along the muscle or, yeah, oh, sure. Sure. My hands are very, very much a diagnostic tool. Right. And, and is, I, since I have no knowledge of how you're taught these things when, you, when you're taught, are you taught anatomy? I guess you must be taught anatomy when you start. Oh, absolutely. We did cadaver dissection. So we had a very in-depth uh, anatomy course. We did a very in-depth uh, neuroanatomy course. The, as a matter of fact, that was the first, like the first summer session of PT school was anatomy and neuroanatomy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we take courses in cardiovascular and um, pediatrics and geriatrics. So then we learn you know, the other systems and, and how they function. So we, we are, we know how the body works. We have to. You know, well, you mean, you need to. Yeah. How, can you uh, see how things have changed? You've been doing this over 20 years. So like any other industry or business or practice, things must have changed. Things have changed. Um, I don't always know if it's for the better per se only listen we're the basic business model is insurance based so we are very much at the mercy of insurance reimbursement that continues to get less and less every single year so in order for businesses to stay afloat they need to see more patients right a lot of these places a lot of these companies have to have a certain amount of volume in order to be profitable. And I think that is where I see, and listen, I worked in those clinics for 20 years. So there are great PTs working within those clinics, but I don't necessarily think that PT can have as transformative of an effect as I know that it can, because we're not present all the time and we're juggling multiple patients at a time. Um, so I think it's, I think it's hard. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a hard profession sometimes because we're all, we all care. We all want to give our best and give our all, but the model doesn't necessarily allow us to do that. Um, burnout is extraordinarily high in the profession. It's 50% within the first five years. So right. it's tough. We do extraordinary work. We're the most hardworking, compassionate group of people, but it's not necessarily 
conducive to mental and physical health on, on either ends of the spectrum for the patient or for the PT. Um, I do think that we need to learn how to pivot. Uh, I think that the pandemic showed us that we need to diversify what we can offer. Uh, pivoting to telehealth, can we do health coaching? Like, where do we fit in kind of that primary care provider role? Um, yeah. I think we have a tremendous amount of value in the prevention end of things. And I think we need to figure out how to get there. Right. I, I really do. I, I think I think the pandemic really showed us that we better have some diversity and really get out there and educate people on what we do and how we do it and all that we bring to the table. Yeah. And, and I, I imagine what you're saying also is that insurance is not expanding to cover very, when you put together physical therapy with yoga, this you, you, insurance is not saying, oh, wonderful, we'll cover all of that. No, like, actually, we're going to give you an extra hundred bucks. Right. We think that's a great idea. <laughs> you need to other ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like, what are you, insane? <laughs> it's a challenge because, I mean, and people also, but as the world is learning, and I have learned during this pandemic, the value of just what you're doing to say to myself, okay, I'm going to pay for this. I, this, mm-hmm. is, this is worth it to me. Now right. I may have to do it a little differently than maybe you would one would want. Spread it over more time, uh, so I can afford to do it. Right. But it becomes valuable to a person. They see, yes, when I do this regularly, I am in less pain. I am in less discomfort. Then I imagine yeah. they're more willing to say, "Okay, therefore it's worth me to pay for this." Yes, you know what? Listen, health is an investment. And I think that we as PTs could probably do a better i a better job at promoting our value and our worth. Right. You know, because people I think sometimes would rather pay cash for a personal trainer, you know, um, than for their physical therapy. And I don't understand. Like, and they're great personal trainers. There's a time and a place, but for like your actual ability to move and to get back to what you love and and be a healthier, more joyful human being, like PT is worth it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the investment in PT is worth it. Well, I agree with you, and I also agree that it's under recognized, it's under understood, and not publicized enough. It's uh, not. It's uh, not. And you know what? For everybody out there who might be listening, you can see a physical therapist without seeing a physician. Right. It's called direct access. So you can. We are. We have the ability to evaluate and treat musculoskeletal pain. And if I feel or your practitioner feels that a physician visit is warranted, because there might be some red flags or some other things going, we can help you navigate the system. That's really overwhelming. We get you to the right person that you need instead of like, okay, I'm going to go to my primary care and then go to this one. Like it just, we actually can help you and advocate for you to get into the system and get you what you need quicker and it's cheaper to see a PT first in the long run when you get injured originally than it is to go and start down the path of primary care to an orthopedist to an MRI like think about all that time is wasted absolutely you can come see a PT first choose PT first identify where what your need is Mm -hmm. the other people are not 
qualified because they're doing other things. So they'll send you somewhere else and that will have to take a picture of it. And then you still have to have it evaluated by somebody who knows, and they might come to you to evaluate this picture. You know, and then we've lost three months, you know, four months. And now that pain that was acute is now heading towards like a chronic situation. And then the brain takes over and the brain, you know, then it becomes a central nervous system thing and just go see your PT. Well, I agree <laughs> we are more than capable. And now that you've brought it up, now that you're saying it, for those who are listening who are thinking, <laughs> for those who are listening, because we're coming to the end, this is have gone beautifully and quickly. Uh, we're almost out of time here. So for those who are listening and want to learn more about how going to a, a PT could really cut down all the pain and cost, and there's pain and cost too, you know. Uh, oh my God, absolutely, right? So how would they best get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, I would love for you to take a visit to my website, which is shannonleggett.com. It's beautiful. I love how it came out. And I really think it's representative of who I am and the services that I offer. And for all other musings, PT-wise, entrepreneur-wise, you can find me on Instagram at S-L-P-T-N-Y-C. I think they're both very representative of kind of who I am and my thought processes on things and please reach out. If you want to really get to the bottom and the root cause of your pain so that you can understand the transformative power of physical therapy, I really ask you to reach out. I offer 20 minute consultations over the phone to see if I would be the right fit and I'd be happy to help. Well, Shannon, thank you very much. This has been wonderful, informative, and I I wish you the very best. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Tom. I'm really glad that we connected and we got to have this chat today. I am too.